I know every day I am really lucky to have this job and this amazing team around me um, and also all the supporters because if we didn't have supporters, we, there'd be no art with a lie. It's quite as simple as that. My name's Alison Murphy. I'm the Supporter Experience Manager at the RLI. Um, and what does that mean? It means we look after people, we look after supporters, we look after donors, we look after the general public, whether they phone us, whether they write, whether they email. Um, and sometimes we even get to see them face to face if they pop down to pool. Um, and when I first started, the first thing I wanted to do was actually do the day job. How can I understand our supporters and understand my team if I don't do the day job? And I had a call from a lady and she wanted to talk about her husband, who she'd met during the war. He was in the Navy. They'd done their courting outside Scarborough Lifeboat Station. And I'm old enough to know what the word courting meant, although that's quite old-fashioned. Um, and we talked probably for about 40 minutes, and that was so different from what my role would have been in where I worked before. You know, it would have been after five minutes, it would have been, you know, can you wrap the conversation up? Um, but it was just so lovely to hear about her experience and her and her husband's connection. And about two or three weeks later, she phoned up again and she'd actually given us a donation for £10,000 to the RNLI. Um, and when I asked her why, um, you know, because all donations, we say, you know, what's prompted you to do that? She said, because I phoned several charities that day. She said, but you actually listened. And I was absolutely crazy with joy that day. Um, and I remember one of my team, because obviously I was very new, saying to me, you do realise that's not your money, Ali? And I was like, doesn't matter. You know, it's the RLI's money, but it was it was doing customer service as it should be doing, giving her that time, hearing that wonderful story that made such a difference to her that day. You know, and it, to me, it was £10,000. That's an amazing amount of money. If it had been £5, if it had been a pound, it still would have given me that same amount of joy. And that's something that I never had when I worked um, in call centres, shall I say, or in previous organisations. And so I know every day... I am really lucky to have this job and this amazing team around me um, and also all the supporters because if we didn't have supporters we, there'd be no art with a lie, it's quite as simple as that. So when the pandemic hit, um, it was a shock for everybody but it happened so quickly um, and all of a sudden we had a, a team of individuals who absolutely thrive off working together. Um, customer service, you bounce off each other, you, you need to be together. Um, and so basically we had to get everybody working from home. At that point we didn't even know if the phone system would work from home, but thankfully it did. Um, and then obviously when it came to any posts that was coming in, myself and my deputy, um, we came up with a process with our data protection team to make sure that everything we were doing was correct. But we used to come in um, to the print room twice a week and we would log all of the post and then we were basically postman pat for the whole of the duration. From the very beginning when it was almost you were too frightened to be near people so we were kind of lobbying post at them on their front door and then as the time went on it, it did get really really sad because we were having so many people phoning up because they wanted a chat and they were lonely or somebody um, had passed away from covid and then also all the paperwork that we were sifting through that we were seeing quite a lot of notifications coming through of people that had passed away and, and that was just really really sad um, you know, and to the point that we then had to protect the team 
and we would then either do them ourselves or we would hold them back um, and, and, and sort of pass that out in bits and pieces, you know, because people being on their own at home working, everyone was in that same position. Um, but if you are at home and, you, you know, you're on the phone and, yes, you're taking some lovely calls and hearing some lovely stories, but then if you have two or three calls where people are um, saying that somebody's passed away and then perhaps you may get a, a complaint call about our work in the channel, we had to make sure our team were okay and we were supporting them. We may only have been the only person somebody might have spoke to all week. And for me, I felt that that was the right thing to do. Um, and the RLI supported that. You know, whatever you need to do, Ali, whatever you need for your team, for the supporters, let's get through it together. And I think that's that family atmosphere that we have at the RLI. You know, we do still hear some really sad stories, even now, um, still linked to that. Um, and again, it was Christmas and a lady phoned up to give her Christmas donation. And we were chatting, you know, like you do, what are you doing for Christmas? And, and she actually said that she would be on her own and that for Christmas because all of her family had sadly passed away and she'd lost the last of her friends during COVID because of COVID. Um, and then she was going to have a ready meal on Christmas Day. That was it. And, and perhaps watch a bit of telly. She said, no different to any other day. And I just thought, how sad is that, that that lady's going to be on her own? Um, and so I offered to phone her on Christmas Day. Um, and um, it was an amazing phone call. It was lovely. And um, I aimed to do that this year as well. It was just a really lovely conversation. I pretty much let her lead it. Um, you know, it wasn't a case of phoning her up to talk at her. It was a case of, you know, just, just having a conversation like two friends would on Christmas Day. A conversation that has never, ever left me is a Christmas appeal. And Christmas time, it's always lovely, although it does start a little bit early. Um, so she phoned up and she said to me, um, I'm so sorry, I can only give you £3.67. And I was like, but well, that's amazing, that's lovely. She said, I've worked out my pension, she said, and that's what I can afford to give you. And I thought at the time after I put the phone down, that lady didn't think with her £3.67 she'd buy a tin of Quality Street, which actually you could buy a tin of Quality Street back then because this was right at the very beginning, um, or put a bit of extra heating on. She'd worked it out and wanted to give that to the RLI. She didn't live near the sea. She lived um, in, right in the centre of the UK. Um, she'd never been to the seaside, but she was just so committed to what the RLI do in saving lives at sea how heroic it is of what our crews do that she felt that that's what she wanted to do and so in my job ever since then I've I repeat this story numerous times everyone to everyone I meet but if ever I'm doing anything in my day job where I am spending money for the RLI I always think back and think would that lady think I'm spending her £3.67 wisely because if I'm not I probably shouldn't be doing it and to me you know that that is something I will never forget. The Duke of Ken is the president of the RLI, and um, last year I celebrated my 20 years at the RLI, which actually I hadn't told anybody about, but I managed to get mass embarrassed on three occasions. Um, and as part of that, I, um, I had the, the great honour of being asked to, to have lunch. Um, he was coming down to visit. And I was really nervous, I've got to be honest, I've never sat that close proximity to a member of the royal family. Um, but I did make my parents again really proud because I actually bought a dress for the occasion and it was the first dress I'd worn since I got married. 
um, which was like 34 years ago. So, um, yes, it was a great occasion. Um, Really amazing person. I could not believe the work ethic that went on um, and the discussion that that was had. Um, It was a great honour and something, again, that I will never forget being asked to do. So when I was lucky enough to get the job, one of the things that did worry me a little bit was that I had actually just had the all clear for mouth cancer, which still did affect me in quite a few ways. And obviously being a contact centre manager, a customer services manager, whatever you want to call it, where telephones is, is our main role, um, you know, it was important to me that I did a good job. Um, and obviously I wanted to keep the job. So, oh my goodness, the RNLI has been so supportive. Um, the side effects that affected me for the majority for probably 15 years of my time here, if I'm honest. It's, it goes back to that family ethos, I think. Um, you know, any struggles that I've had, my manager has always been there. I know that I've got somebody to talk to if I need to. And my team are really great. Um, and over the years, I mean, some of the things that have happened, um, I actually lost my voice for 18 months and sounded very croaky. And I was still going on the phone. Um, And people saying, you're mad, why are you going on the phone? Because it's my job and I love my job. And it's about not letting it beat you. But I knew that if I couldn't go on the phone, it was fine as well. But generally, you know, I I try not to let it define me um, or beat me. And I think that's the same. If you think about the crew members, they don't let things beat them. They will go out in all the odds. You know, lifeguards, you know, fundraisers in all weathers. They do all this stuff to not let it beat them. So why should we be any different? Hello, this is Jim Moyer, and you've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.